This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 491 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Purina Mills, Horse Lovers, and Dr. Rose's Remedies. Well, this week, we bring you the rest of the story. A Gail Stewart original called The Big Dive. Daredevil Devin Horn is back with her monthly update, and the Horselovers.com product review of the week is the Noble Outfitters Ladies Explorer Fleece Jacket. Listen in. Well, hello, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek, and welcome back to one of the longest-running podcasts in the horse world, the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Started in 2008. I'm excited for you to hear this week's rest of the story. It is something that we all know a little bit about, but not a lot about, so you'll hear that in just a second. And, of course, I'm always happy when Devin comes back to visit us and share her exploits and her lead-up also to her third Mongol Derby. Let's get started with the rest of the story. The Great Dive by Gail Stewart Soon after the turn of the century, the last century that is, horseless carriages tooled around the countryside. Theodore Roosevelt was president, and summertime revelers gathered by the thousands on a little island off the coast of New York called Coney Island. Dreamland, one of Coney Island's three amusement parks, starred Mamie Francis, billed as Miss Mamie and her white Arabian horse. Their act was death-defying, pulse-pounding, mesmerizing to watch, and courageous to perform. Crowds held their collective breath, fearful for the young woman as she rode her horse up, up, up a wooden ramp, 50 feet to the top of a tower. From there, they leaped from a platform and dived into a 10-foot-deep pool of water below. Mamie dressed in white, her long hair streaming out behind her, and her horse, whose dainty ears pricked forward in anticipation, struck the water with a splash and scrambled from the tank. And the crowds loved it. They high-dived day after day. On July 11, 1908, 30,000 people packed together to watch Miss Mamie and her white horse climb the tower. They inched to the edge. The horse's snowy white skin quivered. Mamie, riding bareback, balanced herself and tightened her legs. The moment to jump was upon them. Then suddenly, startlingly, and unexpectedly, a sound rose from Dreamland like the high-pitched scream of a banshee. A steam calliope had blown its 32 whistles. The blast rebounded and reverberated around Dreamland, piercing the quiet and the concentration of the diving horse. The mare leaped and tumbled head over hooves into the pool below. Mamie managed to hold on, and they hit the water hard. Good Samaritans acted quickly and pulled Mamie from the water, but the little Arabian was stunned. She was underwater, thrashing, kicking, fighting against drowning. Mamie's rescuers turned their attention to the drowning horse and tried to loop a rope around her, hoping to pull her to the surface. Their efforts failed. Seconds ticked by. The mare was still underwater. Two minutes passed, then five. Finally, a lone diver, a hero among horses, grabbed a rope and dived into the water. With a Herculean effort, he secured the rope under her and around her, and men that huddled nearby wrenched and struggled the mare from the tank. Two hours later, under her own horsepower, the small white horse walked out of dreamland. 
So what would make a former trick rider and sharpshooter in Wild West shows become an East Coast daredevil, risking life and limb of herself and her horse? She told a newspaper once, After a while, I will be able to retire and live on my ranch without bothering over money matters. Until then, I must take the chance of an accident involved in the high dive on horseback. But I have minimized the chance, not by trickery or chicanery, but by skill. Everything depends upon myself and my horse. They had a lot of practice. From 1908 to 1914, they performed the high dive 628 times up and down the East Coast. Mamie clearly loved the high dive. When she jumps, oh, the glory of it all. I just close my eyes, take a deep breath, and await the splash. Still, it was unlikely work for Mamie Francis, a gifted horsewoman and future inductee into the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame. Because, well, she couldn't swim. So Mamie performed the high dive for money. Surely her horse did it for Mamie. And what of the little white Arabian? Some called her trusting. Everyone called her brave. A former owner called her Lurlene. But Miss Mamie called her what a friend might call a friend. A brother might call a little sister. A mother to a child. Babe. The Great Dive was written by Gail Stewart, author of the book 100 Horses in History, True Stories of Horses Who Shaped Our World. You can find that book and much more at 100horsesinhistory.com. That's 100horsesinhistory.com. Review time! Woohoo! My favorite part of the show. This is Coach Jen, and I am here with one of our auditors, one Leslie Raffleson. Hi, Leslie. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome tonight. And it looks to me like you are a Coloradan, are you not? I am, yes. Yeah, Coloradan, which tells me that uh, you probably gave the Noble Outfitters Ladies Explorer Fleece Jacket quite a workout. Did you? Well, I was hoping to because we have, you know, wonderful cold weather. We are in for a lot of wind and snow coming up tonight. And um, I was hoping that this would really come in handy. What I found was that the size runs really small and it doesn't fit. So I was kind of disappointed with that. I know. I usually, I wear a medium, you know, on most things. Sometimes I go for a large if I want it extra roomy. So I ordered a large because I knew I'd figured I would be wearing this over the top of other clothes outside, you know, over a shirt or something. And so Mm -hmm. I ordered a large. And when I got it in, um, I can put it on and I can zip it up, but it's not very comfortable because it's very tight and snug. And I, I think that's the fit. It's supposed to be kind of snug, but it's not, um, I can't really move around a whole lot in it. And the arms on it are really tight. So... I might be a little bigger bone than most people, but I'm only 5'7". I'm, you know, 150 pounds. I'm not huge, um, but it doesn't fit. So, oh, Well, that's that's disappointing. It is. I, I really love the fabric. Um, it's kind of stretchy. It's got sleeves on the inside. It's got pockets. Um, it's got little thumb holes so that your sleeves would stay down. It's got a nice high collar on it. Um, 
It's even got some inside pockets where you could maybe put a cell phone that was a bigger cell phone. Um, really, really soft inside. Very, very nice coat. So I was kind of hoping maybe we could, you know, pass it on to another auditor that could test drive it and it would fit. So, but they would have to be um, maybe more of a small than a, a medium or a large type. A a petite person only. Yes, yes. So yes, we, we might be on the hunt for another auditor to test drive this. There we go. So is the fabric the same fuzziness on the inside on the outside? No, it's not. It's a really slick kind of material on the outside. Um, more that you would find like an athletic wear kind of okay, a yeah. um an outfit and it's it's got a nice wide band at the bottom of it um mm-hmm. around the waist so it you know cover it comes down a little bit longer which is nice um yeah it's it's really a nice coat i i would definitely say this is awesome but i'm not sure on the sizing as far as what i would even order if i i mean i would look at it and say i kind of want a double x mm-hmm. <laughs> because it runs it runs so small i don't think an extra large would even be um big enough for me there we um, go you know, I have a watch, a watch on my arm, and it doesn't go over my watch when I put my arm in the sleeve. Even wow, so. that is tiny. Yep, it even has like double stitching around a lot of it. So I think it would here, you know, it would really stand up to a lot of um, durability and use. Like the cuffs are kind of double padded, so you know, like the wear that you would get on the end of your cuff, I think it would stand up to a lot of that, you know, pretty easily. Um, yeah. So. There we go. Well, that's it. It is the Noble Outfitters Ladies Explorer Fleece Jacket available at horselovers.com. And as we record this review, it is $89.95 at horselovers.com. Thank you very much, Leslie. Do you know how to tell if your horse is a senior? If you guessed age, you'd be wrong. Because not all horses age at the same rate. So how do you know your horse has entered his golden years? Well, you might notice gray or white hair around the eyes and muzzle, weight loss, low energy, a decline in dental condition, or a choppier gait due to aches and pains. If any of these describe your horse, he or she might be a senior, and it might be a good time to start him or her on Purina Equine Senior or Equine Senior Active Horse Feed. They both have Active Age, a proprietary prebiotic proven through years of research to support a senior horse's aging immune system. With Purina Equine Senior, greatness never ages. To learn more, visit PurinaMills.com backslash Active Age. That's PurinaMills.com backslash Active Age. Today's Daredevil Devon Horn update is brought to you by Dr. Rose's Remedies. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT Scooter's delicate white pasterns free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com.
Well, we have back with us Daredevil Devin Horn. We're following her all this year. She joins us monthly to let us know what she's up to. And it is, as we're recording this, isn't it International Women's Day? It is International Women's Day today, Glenn. It's perfect that I'm talking to you uh, because you are international for sure. You've been all over the world, and you are one tough woman. So it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I love this holiday so much, uh, and I have a whole bunch of friends, of course, in my life that uh, really inspire me, and and it's it's really cool to take this day and reflect on how far we've come as a, uh, you know, as human beings and kind of, uh, I don't know, look back and kind of reflect on how many badass, amazing women that you know, personally. So. Well, I have 31 female co-hosts and one male co-host, so I think I do that every day, actually. Just... Dang, Glenn. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> take the time to tell them how much you appreciate them. I appreciate the you, goes, Devin. Goes around. Oh, thanks. <laughs> you know I love you. <laughs> I truly you. believe that badass women run the world, so... Uh... <laughs> I believe it. You know, it's oh, yeah. funny. I did an interview for another podcast, a podcast about podcasting that I, I'm a regular huh. guest on called The School of Podcasting. And it was talking about how to find a good co-host. And in there, I said, one of the things you have to do is hire co-hosts that are better than you. And I truly believe that every one of mine is better than me. Um, so, <laughs> so, and you know, you you just said you listened to the Finding Florida show, the latest episode we did on on cruising and, and Key West, and you know, there's Jemmy, and I think she's better than me. You know, so you know, I truly do live that. I think you're all better than me. Uh, oh well, I'm not going to say she's better than you, Glenn. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Devin. But well, I did, but I did really enjoy that podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> you can find that at FindingFloridaPodcast.com. So now, Devin, when we talked last, you were about to go do a 100-mile crazy run with your father. And uh, it was like two days after we talked last. So what happened? Um, Well, I can say with a lot of uh, celebration that I did finish my first 100-mile ultramarathon in February. Yay! Um, Yeah, thank you so much. Um, It was the Rocky Raccoon 100 in Huntsville, Texas. And man, it whooped my but um, I was, I, I mean, I told my boss that I would be ready and, and in to work at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. And I didn't go back to work until Wednesday to give you an idea of how whooped I was at the end of that run. It took you like 25 hours or something. How do you even do that? I don't know. How do well, you just not die in the middle? It was 27 and change <laughs> hours of continuous I can't running. even stay awake um, for that long. And your feet are moving the whole time. Yes, yeah, there was no stopping, no breaks, no naps or anything. Um, it was just basically 27 and a half hour of willpower and slogging forward. Um, and it took pretty much everything I had, all of my, my okay. will to live. Okay, <laughs> they talk about hitting the wall, and that usually happens at about three or four miles for most people. And you must have hit the wall like 27 times. Well, I went through a bad patch around 18 miles, which I, is normal for me. Um, I usually get kind of a little bit of a slump. And then at uh, 56 miles, I hit the wall really, really hard. Uh, I had to take some time, you know, puking and, uh, you know, complaining a little bit. But as a one of the things that's really cool in 100 milers is it usually gets a little bit better. So you can kind of have to you kind of have to keep the faith that it's not going to be this horrible for the whole time. And just kind of keep moving and get through it, you know. The, the I'm sorry. After hell, about keep on going, I, it'd be horrible for me after about three miles, let alone fifty or <laughs> seventy-five or a hundred. Jeez, girl. Yeah, 
And you're not doing yeah. flat roads either. No, it's all really good trail. Um, it's all kind of single track winding. Um, Rocky Raccoon is famous for its mud pits and its roots. Um, oh, like that's always really good for running and twisting ankles. Yeah, the, the more <laughs> tired you get, the, the worse the roots get, it seems. Jeez. So what, was that your first 100 that you ran? That was my very first 100. I'd done 350s previously, um, and so this was my very first 100 attempt. And so would you do it again? Was it harder than you thought? Was it about what you thought? Um, well, like I said, I thought I was going to be able to go to work on Monday, and I really missed I totally missed that mark. I mean, it took me 30 <laughs> minutes to get out of bed and brush my teeth, um, you know, the day afterwards. I just could not move, Glenn. It was, it was hilarious, but it was awful at the same time. Um, and so <laughs> I'd say it was a little harder than I thought it was going to be. And as to if I was going to do it again, I think I need a little bit more time to forget how badly it <laughs> Exactly. <hurt. laughs> Exactly. But the run that I did is a Western States qualifier, which is obviously run on the Tevis Cup Trail, which I've done three times now. Uh, so I'm not going to lie. It would be pretty cool to get that buckle, too. Now, did your dad whoop you? No, no. He was so great. You know, it's, it's kind of, He told me afterwards, it's so hard to watch your daughter go through something like that and not, you know, tell her to stop or tell her to keep going. He was the perfect amount of like not pity but kind of like being there for me without being overbearing and drill sergeant he was wonderful the whole time and he stayed with you the whole time he um picked me up at 50 miles and then uh brought me in so he did the last half of it with me so basically he got to see all the really horrible parts and none of the really good parts (laughs) (laughs) well you know you, you probably need it would you have finished if he hadn't been there with you the last 50 you know, I think so, and that's one of the things that I that I'm pretty good at is keeping myself moving. You know, at whatever speed. But it was really great to have him there, and of course, you know, spending time with him. We we solid, we spent solid half a day together. So <laughs> there's always that, and of course, he did. He has run ten of these before. He's done ten hundred milers, so he was really kind of instrumental in in uh, helping me strategize and kind of keep my my head in the right place as well. How old is he? He is 60 this year. Oh, my God. Uh, and still running. I feel fat and lazy now. So, <laughs> so, so, Devin, that wasn't the only thing you did. You've done some horsey things, too. Yeah. One thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was I did my very first competitive trail ride uh, last weekend. <laughs> was it with the NATRC? It was with the NATRC Region 4, um, and I had never done anything like this before, and I really didn't even, I hadn't even read the rule book, but my friend um, Cindy had a, a horse that she needed to get through an open ride, which is, a, I think, a two-day 55, and um, she just asked me if I wanted to go, and I'd never done it before, so of course I said yes. And? Um, well, we, <laughs> it was a little bit of a disaster, actually, because <laughs> it's a, it's a totally different skill set than endurance riding, um, uh, and it's a skill set that I obviously haven't mastered. Uh, if, for those who don't know, a A-track ride is kind of a set speed where you go um, a certain uh, speed across a course. It's optimal time, right? It's optimum time as opposed to fast. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you can't go too fast. You can't go too slow. And then there's uh, trail challenges littered throughout the ride where they kind of judge your, your horsemanship. Um, 
And it's kind of geared toward if you have a, a like a ranch background or kind of a pleasure riding background, you're going to have a better shot than me at completing these obstacles. Um, I think the, the head judge said that she'd never seen anybody get on a horse as fast as I get on my horse. <laughs> and I tried to tell her that the Mongolian ponies don't wait around for you to get on, but That's that right. wasn't a good excuse. So I got a lot of points being on that. <laughs> you're not allowed to get on fast? They don't like that? Well, I think they I think they want you to not look like you're you've got a, a firecracker up your butt while you're trying to get on your horse. <laughs> they want you graceful, not uh, looking like a maniac. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like. I think she blinked and missed it, so that's kind of a. a Which <laughs> I really did my horse a disservice. He wasn't being crazy at all, but man, I just it's in my blood now. You get on the horse pretty fast. What you? What do you? What did you ride? Who did you ride? I rode a horse named HK Cruiser, who is actually um, pretty well known in the endurance riding world for going to the Young Rider Championship in Italy this year. Oh, wow. And um, Cindy Metz is trying to qualify him for the Arabian Horse Association National Distance National, which includes a 100-miler, a 50-miler, and a competitive trail. And she has three or four really nice Arabs, and she's not exactly sure which one's going to do which distance yet. So she wanted all of them qualified, and that's how I ended up doing the open ride with them. Last <laughs> you, you had to be the only one on an Arab in an NATRC ride. Yes, and it was it was a little <laughs> bit of a disadvantage because, of course, I'm a firecracker, and I'm riding a firecracker horse, and, oh, my God, you should have seen us trying to open the gate, Glenn. I was going to ask hilarious. you about the gate. That's where I thought you would have trouble. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so to make to add insult to injury, this, this perfect equitation rider on this kind of that Mustang rolls up on this gate and does it perfectly. Like the best how-to YouTube video you've ever seen opening a gate. And then we go next and Cruiser's got his head over the gate and he's whinnying and I'm trying to, you know, guide him. But every time I put my leg on him, he thinks I'm asking for a takeoff. <laughs> it was just so, so funny. I wish I'd gotten video of it because it would be a perfect how not to do nature track video. <laughs> I can see him now. He's going, what the hell's this gate my way for? <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, yes. And, of course, I'm I'm going at about things at a million miles an hour, and so is he. And he's whittying, and he's got his head on the gate, and I'm pushing his head off the gate, and I'm trying to open the gate. And, I, you know, in endurance guys, sometimes they open the gates for you, so you don't even have to break out of a canner. It's pretty nice. <laughs> I can see this. I can see you doing this, and I can see it being a total disaster, to be honest. Oh, my God. It was. It was hilarious. <laughs> You're not used to being judged at things either. You're used to just getting there. No. <laughs> it's like... Exactly. You know, I'm, I'm used to the fastest horse across the line wins, and you should have heard it. Okay, so we, of course, we had to slow down because we were riding at the minimum time requirement, and I'm riding with two other ladies who usually do endurance, and we're looking at our watches, and we're looking at our horses, and we're kind of wondering, how do we kill this time? What are we going to do? <laughs> And of course, our our Arabs are getting a little, you know, snorty because they're not sure what's going on, and they're not they they want to know why we're not allowing them to canter, and <laughs> it's just a little bit of a mess. But it was a really fun time, and of course, everybody knew that I had never done it before, um, and so you know, everyone was so nice and kind of explaining what I was doing and. Uh, what I needed to do and how it was different from endurance. And okay, we don't do it quite like that, Devin. You got to stand here for 10 minutes and all sorts of different stuff. So it was a really funny experience. <laughs> Are you going to do it again or is that your one and only NATRC of, of adventure? I believe that was both my debut and my finale. <laughs>
<laughs> You're going to stick with speed competitions and not finesse. You know, that's a little bit more my speed. Is dressage I, I next, under- Devin? Are you going to be doing dressage next? Oh, my God. I... I don't think I have the temperament. No, I don't think you do either. I don't, no. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think getting in and doing the test as fast as possible is, is in the rule book. Um, they would probably ding me a few points for that, yes. No, they would ding you a few points because you would be jumping over the little white fence all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that does sometimes look a little bit more fun than what they're doing in there. <laughs> hey, how's the preparation for uh, Mongol Derby this year coming? You only got uh, like four or five months. I have five months now, yep, and uh, in in April is when it gets really crazy because I have a really strict training regimen that I'll start right, uh, doing. It'll, unfortunately, it'll it'll include a little bit less running, but fortunately, it includes a lot more riding. So I'll be able to hit the trails really hard starting in uh, April and, and really get some good mileage in, so that'll be really fun. So what's your biggest concern this year now that you've done – the Mongol Derby twice. What now that it's getting closer again? What's your biggest concern? Do you have one? Um, my biggest concern, I think, is to get the finish. Um, I, of course, you know, I'm. You don't go over there and try not to win. At least if you're me, you know, you don't want to go over there and not try to win. Uh, but for me, it's really important that I get a finish this year, just for my own well-being. As you know, I have one one really good finish in one year that I didn't finish, and I'd really not like to add another DNF to my record. Um, so I'm getting a little bit nervous about that, you know, trying to mitigate co- uh, any risk. I'm doing a lot of work with my friend uh, who has a couple of Frank bucking stock horses, um, getting a little bit of that training done, um, and just trying to work anywhere where I think that my, my equitation is weak or anything at all to just kind of mitigate as much risk as I can. Um, because I will be running fast and I will be trying to win, but I really, really want this finish. So, well, I'm happy to say that uh, Evo, who is the producer of the movie that you're in about the Mongol Derby, kind of sent me a little preview link. And guess what? I'm going to be watching tonight after we're done. Oh my gosh, you're going to be able to watch it? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to watch it tonight, and oh. then I'm going to text you the whole way through. I'm going to harass you the whole way through and say, Oh my God, Devin, you really did that? Amazing. So I'm going to. You I- should do one of those YouTube reaction videos. Have you <laughs> yeah. seen those where people oh, yes. react to stuff? Yes. Yeah, exactly. You should do one of those on Facebook Live or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, Oh my God, Devin, did you really say that? Did you really do that? You threw up there? So expect yeah, exactly. some texts from me tonight, okay? As you're roller derbying, you're. Your, your phone is going to be going to be blasted with texts. Yeah, I am on my way to roller derby right now, and my first game of the season is this weekend. So, so it's practice tonight. <laughs> practice tonight and a game on Sunday night. Yay! Now, do you have positions in roller derby? I know nothing about roller derby. Do you have positions yeah. in roller derby? Yeah. Um. So you basically have five girls on the track at a time. One of them is like a, one of them is a jammer, so she's like the ball in a football analogy. Um, and then you have four linebackers. I bet you so, you're the ball. Um, yeah, for the most part. But uh, there are girls in my team that are a little bit better than me. So usually I'm I'm play a linebacker until we need another ball. <laughs> I can imagine that you play a little dirty too. Just thinking out loud. Well, I don't know. I don't take it as seriously as I do my running and my riding. Um, my goal for derby is to have a little bit of fun. So are you worried about getting hurt? Cut- um, not 
really. No, I, I think, I guess when it gets really down to it and it's near her, you know, I get a little serious. And so I, I do my best to protect myself, but I wouldn't say that I'm a cutthroat player, no. Okay, just checking. <laughs> well, Devin, it's been fun. Anything else to report on since your last? No, it's just that I'm uh, excited. Everything's coming together. Um, I've got some some pretty uh, fun sponsorship um, offers on the table right now that I'm working on, uh, and I should have more for you next month. Sounds good. Well, thanks, Devin. We appreciate you stopping by, and uh, have Definitely. have fun in the, over the next month, and we'll catch up with you in April. Awesome, Glenn. Talk to you then. Well, thank you to Devin for joining us once a month. Again, we're excited to again do coverage during the Mongol Derby, this time rooting for Devin instead of Leslie. And maybe I'll get Leslie back to help with that coverage that we do Facebook Lives every night. Of course, we'll get Evo back. And maybe we'll see if we can get Devin's dad on one night, too. That'll be fun. We're doing coverage this year again of Road to the Horse, our fifth year as the official radio network for Road to the Horse, the world's largest and most popular colt starting competition. Held at the Kentucky Horse Park at the Alltech Arena, sells it out. That's March 23rd, 24th, and 25th. Jennifer is heading up there to Lexington, and with Tara Carter, whose husband competed twice at Road to the Horse, they will be doing the live coverage. They'll be doing Horses in the Morning on Friday and Saturday morning, the 23rd and 24th at 9 a.m. Eastern. And then on the 25th at 11.30, they're going to be doing four hours of live coverage of the finals to see which one of the four trainers in this 15th anniversary year wins. And they'll be doing the only live play-by-play that you'll be able to get at home. And that's right here on Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network. You can listen on the live tab on the Horse Radio Network app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. It's the simplest, easiest way to listen to our shows. And click on a little live button and you'll hear the horses or the uh, road to the horse coverage uh, in March. Thank you to Road to the Horse for again inviting us back. Well, that's it for this week. We'll be back again next week with another rest of the scoop and also an auditor roundtable coming up next week. So we're excited to have that for you as well. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Purina Mills, Horselovers.com, and Dr. Rose's Remedies. Happy scooping, everybody.